Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. So I'd love it if you turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of uh, Ephesians and chapter 6 and uh, The book of Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is going to become probably the most significant church for about 300 years of early church history. But when Paul writes the letter to the book, uh, to to the people in Ephesus, they're they're very young, they're very small, and uh, they've got a whole bunch of challenges coming their way. You'll find uh, the book of Ephesians about seven-eighths of the way through the Bible, um, if you're going left to right, and, uh, and we're going to read together in Ephesians chapter 6. We're in a series on prayer. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, I must make amends, worked hard all my lifetime, no help from my friends. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Now, Christians that I meet are pretty rubbish with their prayers. I mean, their prayers generally are kind of gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, Gimme more stuff. Uh, Prayer is often used as the kind of key to the sweetie room in heaven. You know, God's going to bless me and he's going to give me loads of good stuff and he's going to indulge my passions and my desires. Or prayer gets used as the place of last resort. You know, I've tried everything else. I've worked really hard. I've, I've, I've used all the gifts and abilities, my effort and my time that I can use to do the thing that I think we should do. And I suppose I better ask God now because I've reached the end of myself. Isn't it weird that we have this incredible opportunity to connect live with a heavenly father who made us and created us and has an incredible plan for our lives. And we treat prayer as if it's something we just don't want to do. I don't know about you, but the most boring and deadly meetings I ever went to in church when I was growing up were prayer meetings. You know, I kind of hated it. I know you shouldn't say that, but I kind of hated the whole prayer meeting thing. Because we, we, we prayed at one another to one another. You ever been there? You've kind of been in these meetings where you kind of say things that you think people are going to approve of or you even pray things that you want to have a dig at somebody else about. And you kind of pray this stuff around and then you pray for this list of things and it's boring and everyone assumes the shampoo position and uh, half the people in the room fall off to sleep. And, you know, it's just, it's just deadly stuff. But we have a father in heaven who loves us and has this incredible plan for our lives. A plan that's better than the plan that we've got. A plan that's going to prosper us and give us hope and a future. A plan for us to see people saved, situations changed. A plan that we might be the best us that we can be in 2015. It's an incredible thing. And this father has a kingdom. And his kingdom is a place of his perfect rule and his perfect reign where everything that he wants happens and everything he doesn't want doesn't happen. And he says that we, as his kids, get to play in this thing called the kingdom. 
We get to bring the kingdom in. We get to pray the kingdom in. We get to embrace the kingdom in. It's an incredible thing. But so often we treat prayer as if it's the thing that gets us to the thing. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, we, we treat prayer as if it's this power thing that's going to help us do the really cool thing. Now, if we do this thing, it's, it's a bit like eating your dinner so you can get pudding. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have this prayer thing so I can do the really cool mission stuff. But God says, no, 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 you missed the point completely. The thing is prayer. The thing is prayer because prayer is a relationship. And what I want for you above anything else in 2015 is an intimate relationship with you. My resolution for you, says God, is I want to know you. I really want to know you. I want to know you in every way it's possible to know you and I want you to know me. I don't want your knowledge of me to be a theoretical head thing. I want your knowledge of me to be an experiential heart thing. I want you to know me. And it starts in a place called prayer. And that's a huge thing. I mean, it's a massive, massive thing that we should be able to connect with a father in heaven who says, let's hang out. Let's talk. And it's a huge thing because constantly right now, We're in a battle. Constantly right now, there is a spiritual battle in this world, which is a battle for your life and for the transformation of this world. And it goes like this. We live in a world that is spiritual, in essence. I mean, I guess guess when I say things like that, some of you are kind of weirded out by the whole thing and say, spiritual, what's what's all that about? And if some of us think that, you know, maybe there is a spiritual realm, but it's kind of over here, it's perhaps called heaven, and maybe one day we're going to get to heaven, but that's, that's the kind of spiritual thing. But real life is, is, is lived here. This is where you see things, you feel things, you touch things. This is where real stuff happens, where you, you know, the kind of stuff of life happens. And, and, and then, when, then we encounter God in some way, shape, or form, when then we begin to realize that that's not a good enough picture. Because whenever you encounter God, you begin to realize that, that heaven does touch earth. And that, that there are things that happen, there are thin places, and, and you, you meet God in different ways. And so perhaps you begin to draw the circles a bit like this, and you say, well, there is a spiritual realm, and there is a natural realm, and maybe there are these kind of thin places and interactions where God shows up and does things, and maybe the kingdom of God is located somewhere here, and occasionally we see it. But when you begin to read the scriptures and understand what the Bible has to say, and when you begin to experience God, you recognize that's not a good enough picture either. And the reality is that Actually, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And it's like there is this world where the kingdom of God is constantly wanting to break through. And at the center of this world, there is one called Jesus Christ who is right now conscious, active head over all things. There's nothing that he's not head over. There is one in this kingdom called Jesus And his kingdom is a kingdom of love and peace and justice and compassion and generosity and inclusion. His kingdom is a kingdom of faithfulness. And and the difficulty is, the reason there's a battle is that there is one who is anti-God. In the scriptures, he gets called a number of things. His name is Satan or his name is the devil or his name is the father of lies. There's a whole bunch of other names that he gets called. And and his kingdom is always wriggling against the kingdom of God. In fact, his kingdom is the opposite. The 
the absolute opposite and the opposition to everything that is the kingdom of God. So, so he is the father of lies and he is the father of selfishness and he is the father of greed and he is the father of pride and instead of inclusion he's the father of exclusion instead of community he's the father of individuality and and, and what begins to happen is there is this constant battle and this constant war in this place and sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't see it and sometimes we engage it and sometimes we don't engage it but there is a war in 2015 for your soul and for your life and for your future and for the state of this nation. That's the reality. And the Apostle Paul writes. And he writes and says prayer is of fundamental importance if we are going to engage in any way, shape or form with what is real in this world. You see, the enemy of God would have us believe that's a piece of nonsense. This isn't true. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You know how to think about these things. Just get on with life and what you see, feel, touch, just worry about those things. And every time we don't engage, the enemy takes ground. You see, Christians tend to have two very different uh, perspectives and postures towards the enemy of God's people. Some Christians just want to ignore the whole thing and say, well, that's all a bit weirdy-weirdy and we don't want to talk about that kind of stuff and we don't want to talk about the enemy and that seems a bit kind of Tolkien and Middle Earth and medieval, so we're not going to worry about that stuff because we're all grown up these days, so we don't worry. And what happens then is the enemy can do whatever he wants because we don't even worry about defending ourselves or protecting ourselves or calling him out on what he's doing. And there's a whole other bunch of Christians who, uh, who basically see the enemy in everything. So everything that goes wrong in life, I'm under spiritual attack. You know, someone's attacking me. No, 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 you're just stupid. You know, you're kind of under spiritual attack and, and you get out of bed in the morning and there's a, there's a devil under the bed and there's a devil in the cornflakes and here a devil, there a devil, there a devil, devil, and he's going to get me and it's awful. And, it's a, you know, and, and actually we end up being completely petrified and scared of the enemy of God's people when that's, a, that's ridiculous because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The enemy is a scary thing, but you are more dreadful than the enemy of God's people because the power of God courses through your veins. And so Paul writes to this church in Ephesus. And he's been doing all this stuff about who they are, their identity and their purpose and how they got there and who God is. And it's an incredible thing and what community is all about. And he comes to the end of his epistle and he says, I need you, if this is going to work in any way, shape or form, I need you to be able to stand. I need you to be able to take some ground. I need you to remain firm. So I need to teach you about the enemy's tactics. And I'm going to teach you to pray on the armor of God. Let's listen to uh, what he has to say. Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So I want to talk just relatively briefly tonight about putting on spiritual armor and spiritual warfare. And I I don't want to do so to weird you out. I don't want to do so so you go home and it's all a bit blowy and windy out there. And I, I, I want to do it to warn you up and to equip you so that you might have a 2015 in which you see victory in your life, which you see growth in your life, and you begin to take some territory, stuff that the enemy has robbed from the people of God, and you might walk in triumph. That's what, that's what I want to see in 2015. Paul says, I want you to stand. Now, that, that's a word for the church in Scotland, probably a word for the church in Britain. I don't want you to creep. I don't want you to crouch. I don't want you to hide. I don't want you to pretend that, 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 that you're not actually important and there's nothing good coming out of the church. I want you to stand up. I don't want you to cop out. I don't want you to run away. I want you to stand up. That would be a great title for a book, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think, maybe. But I want, I want you to stand because the days are evil. Verse 13. And once again, that might sound a little bit Middle-earth, you know, days are evil, ooh, we're going to get all kind of end times No, no, well, they are, aren't they? I mean, just being completely honest, turn on your TV, the days are evil. Read your newspaper, the, the days are evil. You know, Paris, the days are evil. Iraq, over the last few months, Islamic State, the days are evil. You know, it's hard to come up with any other kind of social commentary than that's what's going on. You know, every, every rape, every abuse, every murder, the days are evil. Every, every person who's trafficked for sex, the days, that's inhumane. The days are evil. This is, this is not good stuff. And I'm bringing it even closer. I mean, one one, uh, what was the, what's the statistic? One child dies in every five seconds from preventable hunger in our world. Gone. 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 And you, when you get home from here tonight, will probably eat too much. I mean, I'm not, that's, I don't say that to condemn. I'm just saying that's, that's, it, that, that's not good. You know, even more close to home. Statistics this week, one million men and women in Britain of pensionable age will have no meaningful contact with another human being this week. And we've just normalized loneliness. The days are evil. It's not God's plan for our life. It's not God's best for our life. It's not what he wants to see in his kingdom. And so the Apostle Paul says, I want you to understand how serious this is. And I want you to understand the opposition that you have. I want you to understand this one called the enemy, called Satan. And I want you to understand his schemes. Look at verse 11. That word scheme, a better translation, I want you to understand his subtle deceit. In other words, the enemy doesn't come front and center and say, check out my horns and my tail. I am Satan and I'm going to scare you 
and ruin your life. Because you go, no, you're not. And you pray and, and the enemy will be gone. So he has to come back door. He has to come around about. And he has to get you through some sneaky way. He's cunning. And what he tends to do is he tries to take good things and make them bad. Or bad things and make them seem incredibly reasonable and sow that into our culture. So what happens, for instance, is that he says, do you know what? Independence and uh, individualism are good things. And so as, as parents, what we do is we spend a lot of time trying to make our kids independent and try and say, well, you need to stand on your own two feet. You need to learn how to do this for yourself. You need to be independent, particularly, and this may sound sexist, but particularly boys. You, know, you have to do your own thing. You, you, you have to stand up, be a man. Go, go and make that thing happen. You, no one's going to look after you. And, and what begins to happen is we begin to develop a culture of individualism where we're okay on our own and we don't need anybody else, and it denies us of community, which is far better. We're created in the image of God for community. And, and the same thing happens with consumerism. You know, we, it, it's good to better yourself and to want things, we think. And so yesterday, uh, Nikki and I were walking through George Street and we stopped for a moment and he said, how crazy is this? There are hundreds and hundreds of people walking around looking slightly angry and, and, and very stressed about the fact that they're, they're about their best leisure time. They're resting and recreating by buying stuff they don't need with money that they don't have to fulfill stuff that they're never going to be fulfilled by having more stuff. In fact, it's like, it's like drinking gallons and gallons of sand. It's crazy. It's never going to do the job. And, and what's happened? The enemy has sown this into our culture. They say this is a perfectly normal thing. You don't need one of these things. You need four of these things, five of these things, and what will happen? You know, sometimes shopping at Christmas, you, you think that the shops are never going to be open again. The shops are closed for one day and people are shopping like they're never going to be open again. It's crazy stuff. But what the enemy does is he sows into our culture and into our minds and into our hearts a way of believing and a way of acting that seems reasonable to us but according to the word of God is a piece of nonsense. And he's got you with a subtle deceit. So Paul says, just be aware. Be very, very aware that the days are evil. And be aware that there is a great opposition. But he says, verse 10, be absolutely aware that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Look at verse 10. Your strength is in the Lord and in his mighty power. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You carry the power, the anointing, the authority the commissioning of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings with you if you follow Jesus. Therefore, God is bigger than the boogeyman and God is in you. And there's nothing to be afraid of because you can stand and you're called to stand. You are hitched and cemented and indivisible from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So Paul says, be strong. Not try to be strong, or man up, but just be strong. The, the original language there is a Greek continuous verb. Basically, go on being strengthened. Because you're in God, because you carry Jesus, you're going to be strengthened. Just go on being strengthened in 2015. 
take a stand. And then Paul says, I want you to pray on the full armor of God. I want you to be aware that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has made provision for you to stand and for you to walk and for 2015 to be better than 2014 and for you to grow in faith and for you to see impact in your Christian life because he's given you armor to wear to protect you against the enemy's schemes and to enable you to take ground against the enemy. Because if you don't put on this armor, then he's going to take you out. He's going to render you ineffective. What he wants to do is to prevent you having intimacy with the Heavenly Father. That's what, that's what he's desperate to do. He's desperate to, 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 to get you obsessed and addicted to your PlayStation 4 and your FIFA, whatever it is, 15. So that becomes much more attractive for you than spending time with God and listening to his heart and having him download stuff to you and hanging out with him. What he's desperate to do is get you addicted to Netflix. And you know what? I don't know if you do know what it's like. Maybe you're just better than me. But, but what happens with Nikki and I is we get into something and then we, we watch one. And we, we agree that we just watch one. And then like five minutes before the end, we look at one another and go, one more. One more. So we watch one more. And it's like getting close to midnight. And then and she looks at me. And I know it's always Nikki who'll stop first. But she looks at me and she goes, we better go to bed. And I went, yes, we ought to go to bed it's just kind of and what happens and I mean that, that's that kind of, it, it kind of feels like a bit silly isn't it to talk about these things but what happens is you go to bed knackered you don't spend time downloading your day with your heavenly father you can't get up early in the morning to get your day set up right with your heavenly father and you drift through your day you're still a son of the living God you're still saved you're still full of the Holy Spirit but you're completely and utterly ineffective because you haven't set it up correctly. And the enemy would just do that. He wants to rob you of these things. He wants to make your relationships rubbish. He wants to make your finances rubbish. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to be sick. He wants you to not walk with Jesus Christ. So Paul says, the Lord God has provided a way for you to stand. Would you pray on? You can pray on the complete battle dress of the Lord of the angel armies. And you can do it every day. How cool is that? So all I'm going to do now is I just want to talk through some of these uh, pieces of armor. And then just to let you know exactly what we're going to do. And then when we talk through these things, if any of those resonate with you, we're just going to pray them in. We're going to pray them on. And we're going to pray them over you. Uh, so that 2015 might be a really effective year as we embrace the kingdom of God. So, verse 14, let's study together. The belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth would have actually been less of a belt and more of a rope. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Roman uh, soldier would have had a long kind of dress thing that he'd have worn uh, most of the time. And, uh, but when he went into battle, wearing a long dress thing well, it really wasn't going to work. I mean, the belt is not much of a piece of armor. But actually, if you, if you didn't wear this belt, you'd just fall over your skirt and you can have all the rest of the armor on, but you'd just be completely rendered useless and you'd be on your face. So you needed to, to, to hitch up your skirts and tie it up with a belt so that you could run and that you could fight well. You need truth. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul is trying to say. Listen, guys, unless you get the truth of who Jesus is in your heart and in your life, 
then you're not going to know who you are. You're not going to know what you're for. And you're going to be rendered completely useless against the attack of the enemy. So many people I meet who fall and fall away from God, fall away from God because they never nailed what they thought about Jesus Christ. And they hung around church and they, uh, and they did some Bible study and they went to Alpha courses, but they never actually nailed what they thought about Jesus. Jesus was, oh, was he a good guy? Was he a teacher? Was he a historical figure of importance? Was he, is he just a nice addition to a comfortable life? You know, I got my house, got my car, got my pet, got my Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's all kind of, it just, it's just a package deal. I've got Jesus, you know, for the stuff I need Jesus for. But Jesus, you know, he never allows us to have him in that way. Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts to teach and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way definitive, the truth definitive, the life definitive. In a world where the truth is relative, I am truth that you can stand the weight of your life upon. If you don't have me, you don't have truth. In, in a world where life is so often a pretense and a sham, you're trying to, trying to pretend you're having life, but actually you've not got life. Jesus says, I am life. If you haven't got me, you haven't got life. In a world where, where, where people are searching for the way in every single possible way they can, Jesus says, you will never find the path to life. You will never find the way unless you find it in me because I am the way definitive. I'm the only way to the Father. I pray in 2015 for every single person in this room a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ that will captivate your heart in such a way that you can do nothing other than follow him with everything you've got. That's the biggest protection you have against the enemy. If you know who he is and what he carries and therefore who you are because of who he is and the relationship you have with him, it will change everything. And Paul says, then pray on the breastplate of righteousness. Why do you need the breastplate of righteousness? Because the breastplate protects the heart and your heart will get damaged. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're an enemy and you're trying to attack a Roman centurion, there are two places to try and hit. You try and hit the head and you try and hit the heart because that's a kill. And so the enemy will attack your heart and your heart has been damaged. Things that have been said to you and spoken over you, things that you have experienced and things that you have done have wounded you and have wounded your heart. And that's really important for you that you get healed up, but it's also important for everybody else because it's really hard to carry healing for others until you've experienced healing yourself. Hurt people, hurt people, and heal people, heal people. And so my prayer in 2015 is that every single one of us would get our hearts dealt with. Because the scriptures say that the name of God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who is the mender forever. He mends and his mending is perfect. No joins in the surgery. No scars left. My prayer is that you get your heart mended. So that you might be able to be the ones who give righteousness, restorative justice to other people as well. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, says Paul. And put on the shoes of peace, the shoes of the gospel of peace. You know, one of the biggest dangers when, when you're being attacked is that you will slip and you will not be able to stand and you'll be trampled underfoot. How, how do you make sure you stand? You get some decent shoes. I have a thing about shoes. Slightly camp as it may be, I probably have more shoes than any of the females in my house. 
I, you know, if you've not got the right shoes on, you are not dressed. And uh, I have very particular about the shoes, you know. Everybody's looking at my shoes thinking, well, they're not so much. But, you know, whatever. if you've not got the right shoes on, you can't compete. You can't stand. You don't wear boat shoes to go to war. You wear boots to go to war. And the Apostle Paul says these shoes are the shoes of the gospel of peace. So my prayer in 2015 is that there will be a new boldness that will come upon you, that your feet would go to places that they've not been to before, that you would act in ways you've not acted before, and you'd speak with courage in a way that you've never spoken before, and you would see fruit of your life in 2015, because people that you've been praying for for years would come to faith in 2015, because you carry the gospel of peace, because you put on shoes. And so often, you know, I, I, I've been in church leadership for a long time, and so often I think we've made good news bad news, or, or not news at all that no one needs to hear. But, but guys, do you get what this gospel is? Do you get how, how good this is? There is a Father in heaven who loves you who made you in his image for his purpose, uh, who, who made you with a God responder mechanism in your heart so that you will never find peace and you will never find joy and you will never find satisfaction outside of a relationship with him because you're a creation and he's the creator and your heart was made to beat in time with his and, and, and because it doesn't, he's done something. He loves you so much that he sent the best that he has, his only begotten son, into this world, knowing that we would kill him. That was the plan. And Jesus comes and fleshes out God for us so that we can see what God is like and how God loves and what the nature of God actually is. And he sets his face towards a cross, and this incredible thing happens. He takes on himself all your rebellion and all your pain and all your mess and does this incredible swapsy deal. He has that stuff and you get his life in return. You get his kingdom, you get his love, you get his grace. And all you gotta do is say yes. And then you get all the family benefits. Now, how is that not good news? And so in 2015, I pray that there will be people saved in every family and every mission or community. Every single person who loves Jesus would see people come to faith because we get that we carry the gospel of peace and we put on the boots. The apostle Paul says, I want you to take up the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith was one meter long. It was like a door. And uh, if you've seen any of the kind of big epics, you will know that you basically, when the Roman army got it right, you couldn't, you couldn't penetrate that shield wall. When the barbarians came, you know, the Scottish people, when, when, when they came up against the Roman army, there was, no, there was no way they would throw their throwy things, spears and, and bows and arrows and, and they would, whatever it was, they would do that stuff and it would just rain, it would hit off the shield wall, and, and, and the Apostle Paul says the enemy will, will fire fiery arrows and fiery darts, arrows of fear and shame, 
you are never gonna be good enough and he's, never, he's not gonna provide for you and you will always live in lack and all these kind of untruths, the stuff that is not true but seems reasonable to us and it will damage us and it will kill us unless we put up the shield of faith. My prayer in 2015 is that you and I would occupy the space between the promise of God and the fulfillment of the promise of God with praise and with faith and with expectation and not with anxiety and fear. That we would find a way to occupy the space between what God has said and what God will certainly one day do with faith. And we will speak faith to one another because he's a good God. You see, when, 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 when our Heavenly Father said, you know, I work all things together for good for those who love the Lord Jesus, we're incredibly tempted, particularly as British people, to be very, very down on that thing. No, 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 that's not true because I'm experiencing bad stuff. Yeah, well, absolutely. But if you pick up the shield of faith, the answer to that is, well, if it's not good, it's not done yet. Because he's working all things together for good. So there's coming a moment when all that stuff that seemed awful and seemed dreadful and how can that ever be good is going to be incredibly good. And I'm going to look, up, look back over it and go, I see what you were doing because I had faith. And I put the shield up and the enemy didn't have room to get in and cause me to doubt. I pray the shield of faith for you and the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is the rema word of God. There are two Greek words for word. There's the word logos, which is the general word of God. God breathed, the logos of God. And there is the rema word of God, which is a specific word for a specific season that cuts to the heart of the issue. And I pray in 2015 that you will be able to hold the word of God, not only in your hand, but in your heart and in your head, so that you will be able to pray the word of God and speak the word of God and answer the word of God and pray it not only over other people, but over you because you've hidden the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. And I pray in 2015 that the word of God for this church and for everyone who's listening to this will become the authority of your life, not just authoritative for life, but the authority of your life and that you would dismiss the potential of culture being the authority of your life, what everyone else is thinking and doing because it will lie to you and it was not the truth. And you will dismiss the potential of your feelings being the authority of your life because your mood will shift and your mood will change and you'll think differently the next day because the word of God is the only authority in life that you can be sure of and you'll dismiss the prospect even of your reason being the authority of life because you'll change your mind and your experiences sometimes lie to you. But God's got a book out and he's got a plan and he's got a guide and it's good for your life and he has a better plan for your life than you have for your life. So my prayer is that you would read the word of God and you would let it speak over you and speak to you and guide you. And the helmet of salvation. The Roman helmet was uh, something called the gallia. And it was made of bronze or iron and of course it protected your mind against the death shot. But it also identified who you were. You know, the, all the Roman helmets had a plume on them and the plume on them was sometimes was often different colored and it was definitely often different shaped. And, and one of the reasons for that was because you could, it wasn't just a fashion statement or accessory, which would be quite funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> but it was more kind of, you know, I know that guy's from that gang 
this gang is not called gang. Let's try something else. From that cohort, uh, or, or he's in his army, or that's being, he's being led by that person. They could identify you. you. It was your identity. And I pray in 2015 that there will be a renewal of identity amongst the people of God. I pray that you would know who you are because the enemy would get in your head. He would get in your head because he's clever. Because he knows that what you think you do and what you do forms the outcomes of your life. And, and, and if you think that you are your dress size or what someone once said over you or what your father thought of you or what your school teacher said or what you earn or what you own or what, you, what people call you, then you've lost. But if you begin to understand that you are only what your heavenly father says over you and he says you are beautifully, fearfully and wonderfully made, you're my child, my son, I sent my only son to die for you and I filled you full of my Holy Spirit so that you might cooperate with my purposes in this world and your role is very, very specific. It is kind of custom made for you and that's going to be a game changer. So I pray that you might have the identity of your heavenly father and that we would learn how to pray and that we would learn how to pray and that we would learn how to pray and we would learn how to pray and it wouldn't be that we prayed so that we could get the stuff. It would be that we just want to know the father's heart and connect with his purposes. And we know that all mission and all social justice flows out of that connection with the Heavenly Father. And he would open our eyes to see what he's doing. And he'd open our hearts to feel what he's feeling. And he'd open our mouths to speak truth about what he's about. And this world would be changed. And so as we finish, I'll do exactly what I said I'd do. I'm going to pray on the armor of God for us. And... um, See, here's the thing. Preaching is brilliant. (laughs) Not because I'm any good, but because this is the word of God. And when I speak, God speaks. And uh, what's been going on all over this room, just in case you weren't aware, is that God's been downloading things to people's hearts. And there were moments when you went, ah, that's me. Yeah, I need that. 2015, if I haven't got that, I'm sunk. I need that. And, and that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He pokes and he nudges and he shifts and he moves and he convicts and he encourages. And, and so as I, as I was speaking, there'll be one or two of those things you think, that's me. And there are some of it you just think, not really. Um, and we're going to pray those things in. Are you up for that? So we're going to stand. Can we stand? And I, I apologize if you're here for the first time and you think this is all a bit weirdy, weirdy. Sorry. So let's pray. And, and here's what I'm going to suggest you to do. You to do let's get more weird. Is that um, if, if it's something that you know particularly applies to you and you really want this, then you actually physically place your hand on that part of your body. And, and if it's a sword or a shield, you can hold it up or something. But um, if it's your heart, then place your hand. You know, it's, it, there's nothing magical going to happen apart from you just saying, God, I'm available for this. I'm up for this. Should we do it? Let's, let's pray on the belt of truth. And some of us really need to start living in truth in 2015. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. And we ask that you'd help us put on the belt of truth. 
We ask for a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. We ask that our, our hearts would be captivated with Jesus. Not just about Jesus, but, 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 but Jesus. That he would be the way, the only way for us. The truth, the only truth for us. The life, the only life for us. If we haven't got Jesus, we haven't got anything. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reintroduce us to Jesus? That's your best job. Would you come? Would you come? And Father, we now pray on the breastplate of righteousness. Father, I pray for healing. I pray for physical healing right now. I pray on the back of uh, the, the person that got healed, um, uh, the hearing that got healed, for those who have hearing problems right now, for, the, for their ears to be opened up, um, for them to be able to hear perfectly, um, and uh, for that to be a testimony to what Jesus is doing. I pray for he- healing of ears. I pray for emotional healing. I pray that everything that's been spoken over us that is not of you will be taken away and we'd be free to experience the love and the embrace of a heavenly father. I pray that you'd bind up wounds. I pray that expectations that are not of you, Father, will be removed from us right now and we'd be free to live for an audience of one. 2015, would you heal our hearts? And would you give us gift a gift Would you give us the compassion of the Father so that when we see other people who are broken, out of the healing of our brokenness, we would offer the healing of the eternal healer. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray now for the shoes of peace. I pray for boldness. I pray for a quickening in evangelism. I pray that the next time Scott gets up and says, who's a passionate evangelist, half the room will be up for it. I pray in each individual way, according to our personality and character, each one of us would see people come to faith in Jesus this year because of our boldness, because of our faithfulness, and because we just got out there. I pray for a confidence in the gospel that we haven't had up to this point. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And now we take up the shield of faith. I pray against the spirit of poverty I pray against the spirit that says, it's not for you, it's not for the likes of you, don't get ahead of yourself. And I pray that every one of us would realize that we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and there is, not, there is no getting beyond us because we're princes and princesses. And I pray that each one of us would inhabit the space between what has been promised and what's gonna happen with gratitude, thanksgiving, expectancy and faith. And I pray against anxiety and fear and I say they are the, the work of the evil one. I pray, uh, um, I pray now for healing of any, any who have panic attacks. Right now, bring the peace of Jesus. I pray for release for people who feel um, imprisoned. Imprisoned by depression. And I pray the peace of Jesus that passes understanding. Now we pray the sword of the Spirit. Take it up. I pray that there will be a knowledge of God in this place that would burn in our hearts. And I pray that we would stand our feet on the truth of what God has said 
and that would become the authority of our lives and we would not turn to the left or to the right, but we would know the path and we would walk in it. I pray that we would march with truth, humility and justice because we are people of the word of God. Would you give us discipline? Would you put discipline into us? Would you deal with our bedtimes? Would you get us up in the morning? Would you arrest our lives so that we would be men and women of the word of God? Give us a love for the scriptures. And Father, we place on our heads the helmet of salvation. I pray for our minds. I pray that you would help us think the things that you think. And I pray for a renewed identity in this room. I pray that every lie we have believed that comes from the pit of hell about who we are and what we will amount to would be gone in the name of Jesus. And we would only carry in our minds what the Father says about us, what the Son has done for us, and what the Spirit is doing in and through us. And we say to every lie to go back to where it came from with blessing and we break it off our lives. And I pray that you would cause a rising up of a spirit of prayer. I pray that you would cause a rising up of a spirit of prayer, a passion for prayer amongst the people of God. I pray that there will be a passion for the face of Jesus pray there will be a passion for the Father's house. I pray that you would call a generation to prayer and out of that place of prayer, a whole number of things would happen. Communities would be transformed, people would get saved, people would be healed. So teach us to pray, Father. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Teach us to pray, Holy Spirit. all this in the name of Jesus who is in us and for us.